0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Alice Sonnell and I'm a recovered, compulsive overeater in South Carolina. Today is Wednesday, July 27, 2022. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 18, reading the second and third paragraphs. So we're starting at, we hope this volume will inform, and we're reading through Bandu, the psychiatrist, and the doctor, commenting on both of those paragraphs. Today's readers are Chris G. for The Steps, Kathy M. for The Traditions, Nancy R., Roz G., and Tenzin P., and Susan S. H. will greet for us to our newcomers. The reference numbers for yesterday, the 7 a.m. for Tuesday, July 26th, the 7 a.m. meeting share ID is 19222-19222. For the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, Tuesday, July 26th, 10 a.m. share ID is 19223-19223. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Chris G. to please read the 12 steps of Overeaters
1: Anonymous.
2: Good morning, thank you. Um, I am Chris G. I recovered compulsive overeater in East Tennessee. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service.
0: Thank you very much for doing service, Chris G. I will now ask Kathy M to read the Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous.
3: Good morning, this is Kathy M, recovered for one day at a time in Michigan. The Twelve Traditions, one. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you very much, Kathy M. You have a wonderful day as well. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction to recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 18, reading the second and third paragraph, starting with, We Hope This Volume, and reading through where it says, Then do the psychiatrist and the doctor will be commenting on both of those paragraphs. And I will now ask Nancy R. to begin reading for us this morning.
4: Good morning. It's Nancy R. uh, from Illinois. I'm a recovered compulsive over-eater. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss his situation without reserve. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find this even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrists and the doctor. There are many. Um... So when I read that first sentence, we hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. Um, I thought about how we um, read the big book as a text, and um, it has definitely informed and comforted me, um, even before I started reading it as as a text, um, and especially now. Um, and then that next paragraph. You know, I saw an eating disorder therapist that, uh, you know, she eventually was like, I just don't know what else to do for you, Um, which was sad to hear. Um, But, you know, um, I wasn't willing. And she wasn't able to persuade me to discuss by situation without reserve um and I have great close friends and um family that you know either wouldn't approach me uh, when I was uh binging and gaining weight and being miserable um, you know they would just either ignore it um, or um when they did approach me i wasn't interested um and so I need this program. I need all of you um and I'm so grateful for everything um and all of you that and everything that we have here. Um, I'm free from the craziness of this disease today and um working the steps and continuing to enrich. And grow my spiritual connection and um, life is good so I'm so happy that we're all here every morning and with that I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you for getting us started Nancy R. I'll take a name of list a list of names of people who want to share and although we value your experience we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you didn't share on Monday or Tuesday and would like to share today, let me hear your name now.
3: Dara L? Dara Dary L. K. Judith, Judith
5: S. B. G. Judith Carmella P. G. O. Carmella. Uh
0: I did oh Patty O, is that you?
5: Yes.
6: Janice P.M., okay. did you get me? I'm sorry.
0: I did not. Nesta Janice P.M., I have oh. you now. First a... okay. Nancy P. Nancy P. Okay, let's stop there. I'll tell you who I have. I have quite a few. I've got Dara L., Larry K., Janet B., Judith S.P., Carmela G., Patty O., Janice P.M., Nessa R., Nancy P. So we will get started with Dara L. Please go ahead when you're ready and unmuted, Dara.
7: Oh great. Thanks so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia. And um, you know, I, I I don't know that for for someone like me who was institutionalized eighteen times and saw like, I mean, dozens and dozens of therapists, um, I I was always willing to talk about my problem. Um but I, I misidentified the problem, you know. So I thought that the problem was that I couldn't stop binging and purging. I couldn't stop killing myself with food, you know. But I also thought that the problem was that, you know, my mom wouldn't change. And I had all this childhood trauma. And, you know, if, if this person was just different or this thing was, was just different or I just lost 10 pounds or I gained 10 pounds or whatever it was, like, then, you know, then I would be okay. Then I would be different. And And I was constantly... Asking people like, you know, help me, solve me, fix me, um but I was discussing the wrong things. I was misidentifying, I didn't know that I had an allergy of the body an obsession of the mind. I didn't know um that entire abstinence was required before I could even attempt to find a solution nobody nobody told me that, you know, and also i don't even if they had, I don't know that I would have been that interested in that message because I just wanted to figure out a way to navigate life a little bit drunk, you know, like how do I just binge and purge on my birthday and holidays, but like live a full active life. I was asking the wrong questions, identifying the wrong problems and, and turning to the wrong solutions. And I, I think um, what the, that, yes, like this illness decimated my relationships, um, but I also didn't see it as an illness and I wasn't turning to the right people for solutions. And I was so defiant. I mean, I would go see a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever, uh, spend an hour talking about how, you know, oh, I just don't want to binge and purge anymore. And then I would leave and, and go to the store, you know, and sometimes I'd have binge food in the car, like, you know, locked and loaded. Um, and I love that our message of depth and weight our you know, our message of hope and experience comes from those who have walked this path before because I am a highly skeptical person as an addict. And so I need to really see um, someone who tells me that they were just as bad as me and identifies the problem in a way that makes sense to me where I can, you know, thread it through the light of my own experience and know Um, that, like, yeah, this I have the same thing, because it explains to me, I always thought the problem was something outside of me, Um, but that didn't explain why, like, I would binge and purge because I was happy, or I was sad, or I got what I wanted, or I didn't get what I wanted, or whatever, but Um, It really wasn't until I started working with a fellow compulsive eater, and she explained to me that the problem was within me, Um, and also the solution was too that I began to feel the depth and weight of my own powerlessness, and also like the empowerment that comes from God and love and um, an entire abstinence and working this program to the best of my ability. So, anyways, I'll pass. And uh, grateful to be here.
0: Thank you, Dara L. Larry K., you're up, followed by Janet B. Go ahead, Larry.
8: Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Larry K. recovered from Chicago. Um, so, yeah, as was just said, um, you know, one of, one of the main takeaways for me from this paragraph is just how difficult it was to get the addict to, uh, to not only be truthful and forthcoming, but sometimes there's great confusion, not only by the addict, by the psychiatrist. <laughs> I mean, you could, you know, one can work in the, uh, Yeah, I work with lots of people that work in the psychiatric field where their, their very job is to help bring illumination and clarity around a person's problems. Dr. Young was a preeminent psychiatrist. He didn't understand the problem and he was a pretty, pretty, you know, pretty sharp, knife in the drawer there, right? He didn't understand the problem. And so can you imagine, you know, how then it's, it's nearly impossible to get an alcoholic to discuss their situation without reserve. They don't understand the problem, and neither does the psychiatrist. And rest assured, if the psychiatrist has difficulty drawing out the, the truth and understanding the truth, how much harder is it going to be for a loved one to do so? So I ask myself, why is that? Well, a lot of times, too, there's a lot of shame surrounding one's addiction and the painful feelings of humiliation that kind of encircle us because of our poor choices and the unmanageability. You know, all this pervasive unmanageability becomes too much to bear. And the outcome is that we develop this impenetrable shield around this this deal. And the sunlight of the spirit can't get through unless we allow it in. We have to allow it in. And that's why we hear things like the truth shall set you free, and to thine own self be true, things like that. So here's what I know for me, and it's as clear as can be. I can't tap into the spiritual solution. I mean, I mean the solution that's real, sustainable, lasting, flourishing. I can't do that if I'm not ready to confront the truth about myself, and I have to understand what the truth is. So, you know, the big book addresses this, and my point is in wrapping up, if we can't get honest about our compulsive eating and our compulsive behaviors and understand the problem, I can torch any inclination to move on with the rest of the steps. Forget it. You know, the principal underlying step one is honesty, honesty. And I have to remember that. With that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Well, thank you, Larry K., for your share. Janet B., you're up, followed by Judith SP. Go ahead, Janet B.
9: Hi, good morning. This is Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Jersey. So it says that this volume is to inform and comfort. And I think that's what we're supposed to do also, right? Comfort people that there is a solution, and inform them as to what the solution is. And, you know, unfortunately, my early years in OA, I didn't get that. I got people who were trying to comfort me, but comforting me the wrong way. So I would sit in a meeting and talk about how I can't stop um, and other, like, unhealthy habits I was doing and that, that I couldn't stop binging. And people would say things like, don't worry, just keep coming, it'll get better. Well, it didn't get better. It got worse. Um, Over six years, I got worse and worse, even though I was faithfully going to meetings. But of course, I mean, if we think about it, if someone went to Diabetics Anonymous and people said to them, just keep coming, you'll get better, and never told them insulin is the solution and let me show you how to inject the insulin, that person is just going to get worse and worse. And that was me. So all these nice people, they were very well-intentioned. It didn't help me. It just enabled me. Um, because there's a second part, right? We're supposed to also inform. But information is only helpful if it's the right information. So when I would hear things like, just don't eat and go to meetings, I would think, if I could just don't eat and go to meetings, i just don't eat and go to movies and not be here. I couldn't. And finally, thank God, someone stood up at an OA convention where I was binging at the convention. And she held up a big book and she said she hadn't binged in a year and that this book showed her how. Because she, and she gave me the right information, which was we need to surrender our lives to God and then he does what we can't do for ourselves that at its essence, the information in this book is about how to have a miracle. It's about for me to climb to the roof so that I can be rescued. And once I work these steps, I experience this miracle. So the comfort I think we can give is not just keep coming. Yes, definitely keep coming, but don't just keep coming. If we do what's in this book, we experience not only the removal of the food obsession, but a great relationship with God and our fellows. And with that, I pass, thanks.
0: Thank you so much, Janet B., for your share. Judith S.P., you're up, followed by Carmella G. Go ahead, Judith
10: S.P. Good morning, moderator. Thank you for your service and everyone here and those who have shared before me. I am so truly grateful to God and our forefathers and mothers that have brought us this book um, alive every day, every day of my life. Thank you, God. Inform and consent. Well, not inform and consent. Let me back up. Inform and comfort, as the last speaker talked so eloquently about, is imperative And for me, a lot of my informing in my disease was the ways that I learned to cope and to live in a very negative lifestyle. And coming into these rooms each day and being given information and shares by other people to help me keep expanding my understanding and the comfort of God and the fellowship are an amazing combination, and what kind of stood out at me, stood out for me in this paragraph is the word persuade, and persuade. Hold on one second, because it's very interesting to me. Is to cause in parentheses someone to do something through reasoning or argument, and persuade just has never worked. It's not worked with my children. It hasn't worked with me. It hasn't worked with my relationship to intimate people in my life. And it hasn't worked with the medical profession, religious profession, and so on. What comes to my mind so often as I walk this path is suggestive. This program is suggestive. There are certain things I have to do. I have to be fully abstinent from the food, and I have to be honest, open, and willing to walk the path of doing the 12 steps and helping other people through my relationship with my sponsor, you fellows, and most importantly, God. But it's all suggestive. If I want to hang up this phone right now and go to the refrigerator, it's up to Judith. No one's going to tell me, no, you need to stay here. You need to sit in your chair and you need to listen to me if you want to get better and not go to food the rest of your life. And that word is something, unfortunately and sadly, I've worked on, but I kind of equate persuade with the control element and the fix-it element of my relationship with other people. So, I work very hard, particularly in my relationship with sponsees, to be available, to be a witness, to hold the lantern as it's described. But I do not persuade and I do not give advice to anybody. And this is a phenomenal reminder to me. So, thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Judith S.P. Carmela G, you're up, followed by Patty O. Go ahead, Carmella G.
11: Thank you, Allison, and thank everyone on the line who, those who are just listening, and with us on this journey, as well as those who have shared. Um, my name is Carmela G, and I am a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, this is an interesting paragraph for me because. I have witnessed some of my sponsees early on when I was new in program and I would struggle up the steps because I was so overweight to get to a meeting and I saw these people and they seemed to be suffering so emotionally. And when they would share... I would put them on my list because I was in this program and I was going to follow all the tools, and I would call them. But I would never get a call back. And when I'd go to the meeting the following week and see them again, they'd put their hand up and say, Oh, I owe you a call, but um, I I just don't have time. And when I would approach them after the meeting just to say hello I'm fine, I'm fine, and the hand would go up. So when I worked this program and heard that one of our personality traits was dishonest, I thought, no way. And many of us have been in therapy, and we can tell the psychiatrist anything we think they want to hear, just to manipulate and control. And my fellows in the meeting putting their hand up and saying, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Telling themselves the lie, the lie, because I told myself the lie for six decades. I can handle this. Leave me alone. And the book says, leave them alone. So how is it that we can help? I learned by living this program, living it every single day, and demonstrating it in my life, that that is how I can help those, not by words, but by actions, and two of these women that I witnessed in this room, who put their hand up and said they were fine, ended up coming to me and asking me to sponsor them. And the reward was magnificent because they didn't even know what was inside. And it was through working these steps that they were, thank you, to be totally honest and forthcoming with what they needed to reveal and how to live. And that I pass. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Carmela G. Patty O. It's your turn to share, followed by Janice PM. Go ahead, Patty O.
5: Hi. Patty O, I Everybody. don't hear you. There you are. Yes, go ahead. My name is Patty O. I live in Florida. And I'm new to um vision. Um, so I'm I'm a little nervous when I share, but this this par- two paragraphs that we read was so, first of all, that part about um, when I came to believe that I had a disease instead of just no self-will and such scorn for myself that it was such a comfort. It was such a comfort that I had a disease and it had nothing to do with being bad and good. It had to do with being so sick and getting well. Um, I know I heard that message from the first meeting I ever went to. Oh, I can't tell you how many years ago, but it's when I came to believe it, that the comfort I found comfort. Um, so many people, you know, hundreds of hours of, uh, work with a therapist and thousands of dollars and they could not help me um and it's not that i was lying to them but i didn't recognize why I, I i couldn't tell them the truth of why when i left the office i would go to dunkin donuts i i couldn't i couldn't i did not know why and um but what happened was when I went to from the very first meeting of of Overeaters Anonymous, I heard someone talk about their disease, what it was like for them, what happened to them, and what it was like today. That it all of a sudden I was able to hear the possibility of that I wasn't alone and that I w- and that there was recovery for me. Um you know, I used to go places and see people how they looked at me with derision and scorn. And you know what? I agreed with them. I you know, like just such disgust. And I absolutely agreed with them. Um so well, my solution to that was I stopped going out. And unfortunately, my family, and especially my son, paid the price for that solution. You know, I, when my kid was born, me and him had a conversation on the way home from the hospital that I was going to be the best mother the world had and he had ever seen. And I meant it but I have Time. a disease. So So um, anyway, thank thank you for letting me stumble through this share. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for sharing, Patty O. Janice P.M., it's your turn to share, followed by Nessa R. Go ahead, Janice. Well, thank you so much, Allison, and good morning to everyone.
6: My name is Janice P.M., and I'm a grateful we covered Compulsive Overeater. Boy coming in so late that uh I don't know what I can say, but I'll just give you my experience um, yeah, it says we hope well, I think that's a real big big word we hope that means there's so much uh, we're all on a cord we're holding uh we're holding the rope of hope um and we're all grabbing at it to to that uh This volume. What are they talking about? Well, it's the first 164 pages that uh, because I never, I never got the solution anywhere uh, except through these steps. Um, If people I talked to, if skillful professionals I talked to, they didn't understand. They didn't understand the pain that I went through. Um, Only another, you know. But when I came into this program, people understood. They would shake their heads. And uh, they know. They went through this pain with me. I mean, I was married to a doctor. He could write any script for diet pills that I wanted. And I would, uh, of course, say to him, oh, please, Lenny, just, you know, write the write the script because I need the pills. And he would and uh, manipulate him. And then when I wanted to eat, boy, I didn't take those pills. <laughs> That's how powerful, how powerful. There's nothing, unless I am powerless, I tried everything. I even wanted him to uh, uh, to do my teeth, wire my teeth. Then well, what was I going to do? I said, how am I going to eat? He said, you have to eat to a straw. And I did, well, what happens when he takes them off? Well, I knew I was going to eat. So you see, skillful people they don't understand, and he lived with me, <laughs> but he still didn't understand. Only you people here understand me. It's impossible for anybody to persuade me, but I do have the answer: Pain persuaded me. The, that was the greatest persuader was the pain that I had, you know, like husbands, parents, friends. Uh, you couldn't, I was so defiant. Uh, you couldn't plead with me. But if I had enough pain and I came to this group and I came to this solution of this volume, this is where I got one solution, a solution. And it was through one set of the 12 steps. Huh. That's a lot of hope here to read, that I can go and spend money and and, uh, do all kinds of things, nothing worse, because I I was defiant. But I found the solution here in the 12 steps, and I appreciate everyone, and thank you so much, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Janice P.M. Nessa R., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Go ahead, Nessa R.
12: Hi. Good morning, vision For you, this is Nessa R., I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I also want to talk about informed and um, comfort because the first uh, two times I went to the big book, I was neither informed nor nor, uh, comforted. Um, You know, I read it in the context of meetings who read the big book, we would go around the room and everybody would read for, you know, a a paragraph and we would do that for 10 minutes and then go around the room and sharing. And people would would finish their reading and people would share about how their life sucked and how, um, you know, they were mostly abstinent or the abstinence was was sloppy and how that was okay and, you know, progress, not perfection and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't find that very comforting. Um, And, uh, you know, what that showed me was that I I cannot do this by myself. Meetings are not enough. um, And I needed a guide. Um, You know, another reason I needed a guide was because when I read this book, I thought, I'm not an alcoholic. You know, my problem is not alcohol. My problem is food. Alcoholics, all they have to do is stop drinking, but I still have to continue eating. Another reason why I couldn't do it myself, I needed a guide to show me what the big, to explain to me what the big book said and what the big book didn't say. You know, things, for example, like alcoholics do drink. They just don't drink alcohol. They drink tea and orange juice and coffee and water and milk and, you know, they just don't drink alcohol. They don't drink the beverages that trigger them. Likewise, I can eat the foods that don't trigger me. And so it was very important for me to identify clearly what those foods were. Um, she explained to me the concept of not only the concept, but the, the crucial importance of entire abstinence, that that sloppy abstinence and almost abstinence are, are not a thing, you know, that you'll never get anywhere with that. Um, she explained to me how important it is to work through the steps in entire abstinence and to work them very quickly, you know, not just do the tools and go to meetings and, you know, make calls. Um, all those things that that had el- eluded me, because you know the language in the big book was was very old-fashioned. Like I couldn't identify in. She helped me identify in, and she helped me discern, you know, the 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 true information from from the myth. Like you know, alcoholics don't drink. So, you know, um, you know, once that penetrated, like the rest really was very easy. It wasn't comfortable. Uh, because abstinence prior to recovery is not comfortable. Um, that's another thing that she taught me, that there was no magic, you know, relief as soon as I put down the food, that it would be uncomfortable in my job, uh-huh. uh, thank you, to withstand the discomfort. But once I did all that, um, abstinence would be very easy as it is now, having um, had ten and a half years of recovery and God willing, um, continuing on. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nessa R. Nancy P., it's your turn to share, and then we will take a new list of names. Go ahead, Nancy P.
13: Hi, good morning, Allison. Hi, everybody. Nancy P, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, So, powerlessness comforts me, not just by itself, but what it means. And it means that I'm not struggling anymore. I'm not a fish on a hook, no twisting, no thrashing. I'm not afraid. And when I chased abstinence as the goal, I only felt fear. I mean, I felt fear all the time, but I especially felt fear then. And I disguised my fear with lots of, you know, going to meetings and thinking about how abstinent I was and thinking about not eating and, you know, um, it, you know that's what I did. And I always felt like I wasn't abstinent enough. I was in a cage, very limited, five paces in each direction. And I went to lots of meetings. And here in the Boston meeting, in the Boston area, rather, we don't lack for people who will sing abstinence's praises. And the only message I heard was, I love being abstinent. It makes me so happy. I love weighing and measuring my food and bringing it with me everywhere. It makes me feel so free. Yay, abstinence. But all I learned from that was over, you know, many, many, excuse me, many, many years was that I can't weigh and measure my way out of this problem. So that didn't work for me. No matter what I did, no matter how much I thought I was following the rules, I never felt a part of things. I tried therapy too, but I knew it wouldn't work even if I did talk about my eating. I actually went to a therapist who was in OA, and I never talked about my eating. I was complaining about my job all the time. I I asked her once if she liked her job, and she said she loved her job helping people, watching them grow and change. I love it. And my response was that I was bored to death, and I was talking about myself you know, self-centered, and I couldn't, didn't even do the trick. Plus, you know, uh, my friend on this line said a a week or so ago that she wasn't really listening because she thought she already knew what everyone was going to say. And that's what I felt. So that didn't work. And even if I talked about food to my dear, dear friend, my sponsor who I've talked to on the phone five days a week for 38 years, I never got comfort. And she truly loves me and knows me. And these were ways that I tried to do this myself, my way. And it was only when I got hit across the the face with a two-by-four, when I was not on my knees, if only, but flat on my face in the mud with a horse standing on my neck, like I like to say, that I was forced to learn what powerlessness really meant and what it meant that I could be comforted. Unlimited, unlimited comfort. And I began to embrace who I am. You know, fourth dimension stuff. Finally, finally, finally. And what was the mechanism? No surprise, one word said three times, say it with me. Surrender, 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 and with that I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Nancy P., for your share. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. And a reminder, we're on page 18. We started at the second paragraph, we hope this volume through two paragraphs ending the psychiatrist and the doctor commenting on both paragraphs. Who else would like to share on these paragraphs this morning? Amy Aaron G. K. Katie heard Aaron K., Amy G., Katie B.
5: JL. JL. Take uh, one more. Okay, we'll go with what we have. Aaron K, Amy
0: G, J.L. Go ahead, Aaron K.
1: Hi everybody. Good morning. It's Aaron K, recovered compulsive Overeater in Michigan. Um the words that popped out in this uh the second paragraph we read were without reserve and it's um you know, it's funny like Whatever we're reading, it always seems to resonate with kind of whatever, you know, whatever issue I'm sort of coming up against in my recovery. And it reminded me of a recent, you know, I don't know, epiphany, but realization that I had, which was, you know, I'm, you know in dealing with an, an issue that I was struggling with, I realized I, I was trying to surrender and I started laughing at myself because they try to surrender. Well, how do I do that? You know, it, it it seems oxymoronic. How do you try to let go or try to do less? And you know, I I don't think that there was you know that I could not try harder in this situation. I think a lot of us can relate to that, especially with with the food. You know, just no amount of willpower to not put that bite in your mouth or to, you know, to resist turning into the drive-through or whatever it is, like the trying, the effort is, was misplaced. And what I got when I got quiet about it was you can, there's, there are some things you can do. And one of them is to be entirely honest without reserve. Don't listen to the fear that tells you they don't want to hear it. Or this person's going to get sick of you, or get get tired of you bringing the same things um, over and over again. It's like you you know I have to show, I have to be honest without reserve. And you know I'm a scientist and a very you know I always want to see the data. And my sponsor encouraged me early on, like you know start to look at the data of your own experience. And and I did, and I realized like. Nothing in the past you know, year and change that I've been rec- abstinent and recovered, nothing bad has ever started with honesty without reserve. Nothing bad. And, but every time I, try, I tried to hold something back and sit in, in the uncomfortableness of that, it did, it never, it's never led to good things. So that's what came up for me today. And with that, I'll pass. I appreciate everyone's service.
0: Thank you, Erin K. Amy G, you're up, followed by Katie B. Go ahead, Amy
14: G. Great. Thank you. Hi, my name is Amy G. I'm a covered compulsive eater from Maryland. Thank you, Team Wednesday. What an awesome meeting, everyone. For me, what stands out is this idea of the highly competent psychiatrist. I think that Bill, in my humble opinion, you know, puts that there, that these guys are competent. They're, they weren't the problem as so much as I was the problem, as many people have said with my honesty and all of that. But I think at the, you know, being dishonest with them or not even knowing, but I think at the high, at the heart of it for me, and, and, and again, I've had many wonderful therapists in my life that have been great compliments when needed for additional you know recovery and things like that but at the heart of it when i went to therapy there was this issue of wanting them to inform me or fix me or at least tell me how i could fix me and and the problem with that and the problem with me going with a therapist to that is that if for the true compulsive eater like i am like we've learned about in the doc op and i've identified in with bill's story is the fact of this illness, this twofold illness, physical allergy, mental obsession. If I am the true compulsive overeater, I cannot fix myself no matter how self-aware I am. I am powerless. I need a power greater than myself. I can't be that power. And the essence of what I do in therapy when I went to therapy was like looking for, you know, knowing the answer, you know, I was told I had an eating disorder, but I wasn't where I could get the solution. You know, it's like having a broken leg and going to a gynecologist instead of an orthopedic, right? I'm in tremendous pain, but I'm going to where the solution is not. And that's nothing that, I mean, I didn't know any better. But gracefully now we have this book that informs me as to what the actual solution is. And it's great because the name of this chapter is There a Solution, but the instructions aren't until how it works on Chapter 5 what are they trying to do? They're trying to summarize. Do I understand who and what I am? Do I understand where the solution is? Right? Because we just read that paragraph. We have a common solution. There's no secret code. It's the 12 steps upon which we can absolutely agree and join in brotherly and harmonious action. Right? But I need to know where the solution is, what the solution is, and do I truly admit that I am powerless because I have and understand what the twofold illness is, physical allergy, mental obsession, entire abstinence, not indulging in, in allergic ingredients, understanding the line of stand for abstinence, being able to take in the information and go to where the solution is. And I'm so grateful because that is what this chapter is going to do. I mean, it says it on page 20, it says, uh, we shall tell you what, it says, what, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to summarize such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done before going into a detailed discussion and maybe well to summarize some points as we see them. And that's what this chapter is doing for me. And I'm so grateful because if I don't have that down, then I'm never going to understand the solution and then take the appropriate action. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Amy G. Katie B., you're up, followed by J.L. Go ahead, Katie B. Hi, good morning. Um,
15: My name is Katie B. I am a gratefully recovered compulsive over here in New York. Um, So when I look at the paragraph, I'm thinking of the times that loved ones may have tried to approach me over the years regarding my hurting myself with food, essentially, and I was completely unapproachable. I was defensive. I was mean. Um, and they were always the problem. They were the problem, not me, and certainly not food. Um, and I then reflect back on many years ago, going to like over 20 years ago. So I, I don't mean to comment on what they're doing in eating disorder clinics these days. I have no idea. But I know that when I went um, to therapists, and eating disorder specialists and eating disorder clinics, at that time where I went, the goal was to eat everything in moderation. That was the goal. And for me, I was, that wasn't going to work for me. And as long as that was my goal, I I wasn't ever going to reach it. I, I just I couldn't do it um, because I, I have an illness, I have a sickness, and I have – an allergy and abnormal reaction to certain things that i just i just can't eat them in moderation um and that's not going to work for me um and i had tried o- overeaters o- um, anonymous over the years and kept leaving because i wasn't ready until i was ready and then when i finally right before i finally came into the room for this last time i went and i sought out a therapist and i sat down and i looked her in the face and i said essentially Everything in my life is great, except I just—I don't know—I just I have this like food issue. That's—that's that's how I presented it. That I was eating too much, and everything else basically was fine. And in her kindness, and in no—you know—nothing, no disrespect to her. Her answer was, "Oh, I have the answer. You just have to eat everything in moderation." <laughs> and when she said it, like in my brain, I was like, "All right, Katie, it's time to go back to OA," because I knew. I knew um, that, that food had been my answer to everything else in my life. The way I was dealing with life was the problem. It was completely opposite. It was that I, I couldn't deal with life and food was my answer. It wasn't that I was really rocking life so well and food was the only problem. Um, and that this book where it says it, you know, it informs and comforts, yes, I need to be informed. I need that doctor's opinion, and I need to know that entire abstinence is the very beginning for me um and I also need to know that after that, my answer is god and uh and that's this book, and that's uh this program
0: and with that, I'll pass thanks thank you katie b j l It's your turn to share.
16: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Jay Compton over Edith from Rhode Island I uh, just wanted to uh share on the very first- little paragraph that we read uh we hope that this volume will inform and comfort those who are or it may be effect, uh, affected there are many. I was definitely one of those many I came into o a uh in 21 on Easter morning. And that's a long story. I won't get into, but, uh, Easter morning, I surrendered, um, and asked my higher power for, for help with my food addictions, but I had no idea what to do. Um, thankfully I was led to a group that, you know, that, uh, used the big book, uh, as their basic text to, to overcome this, this, uh, addiction. So, What that did for me was because I have a lifetime experience of recovery and using the Big Book, when I found out that that OA used the AA Big Book uh, as their basic text, immediately, immediately, there was like a warm blanket uh, over me because I knew that because it had helped me in so many other areas of my life that it was going to work for my food addictions. And it has to this day. I was wor- I have started working with a with a gentleman, um, and he asked me to sponsor him. And I said, I I will sponsor you, but I, you need to find yourself a a, a big book uh, in order for for us to go through and learn the steps. And he said, Well, I have a digital copy, and I, you know, for me personally, I said you it would be a good idea that you get a hard co- copy of the book. It's hard to have a sentimental value on a digital file. So he has since done that, and tonight we're gonna start with the uh, doctor's opinion. And uh, for that, I'm grateful. And I hope he too will feel the same comfort that I have felt. Thank you, have a good day.
0: Well, thank you so much, JL, for your share. We have time for a one to two minute share. Who would like that time?
5: Hi, I'm Peggy H.
0: Okay, Peggy H., you're up. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for taking the meeting and for all the shares. Um, I love the um, theme of surrender that I've been hearing, and it reminded me of something that I read recently that was such a help to me, so I'll just share in case it helps anybody else. But um, the meditation said, well, what do I do if I can't abandon myself? And the answer was, abandon yourself anyway. And it just um <laughs> it just kinda closed the loop for me. So
1: that's all. Just to everyone have
0: a great day. Thank you. Well thank you, Peggy H. And we'll go ahead and close our meeting at this time. Thank you to everyone who shared. The share ID for today's meeting, Wednesday, July twenty The meeting we just concluded is 19,225, 19,225. We'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Roz G. please read from a vision for you, Our Book is Meant to Be, Suggestive Only through Keep You Until Then?
17: I sure will, Roz G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.